Amen. Well, I thought the uh, the music today was just so appropriate as usual as we are continuing our study through the book of James. And if you look in your bulletin on the front of it, you'll see that it's called Responding to Suffering. And so I'm sure that some of you are looking at it thinking, oh, this is going to be a fun message today, uh, talking about suffering. But it is, uh, it's an, it is an interesting topic. It's one I think that we need to address because the fact of the matter is suffering is just, it takes place in life. Um, four out of the five times that I've had the opportunity to go to, to Israel, our guide has been this man named Ronnie. And Ronnie's a colonel in the army over there, and he is the, he's the most knowledgeable guy concerning especially Israeli history that I've ever met. He knows more scripture than I'd say any pastor that I've, that I've ever known. But what's interesting about Ronnie is even though he knows all these different things, Ronnie does not believe in God. And so just because we've gone over there so much, I've talked to Ronnie. I was like, how can you come to a place where you just, I mean, you know all this stuff and you don't believe in God. And he said, well, he said, what happened to our families? He said, during World War II, of course, there was the Holocaust. And over six million Jews lost their lives during the Holocaust. And basically, his entire family was wiped out. And he said, after that whole experience, his family who had believed in God, they came to a point where they just started asking the question, if, if there is a God, why would he allow something like this to happen? You know, if there is a God who cares about us, why would he allow people like us, who are good people, to suffer and to struggle? Now, as I listened to him, as I talked to him, I thought, well, that's, that is a good question. And there's some of you, I'm sure, who've gone through some, some experiences in your life where you say, man, this stuff that I've gone through is not fair. I've, I've hurt. I've suffered. And you've wondered the same things. Well, where's God? You know, if, if God is real, if God really cares about me, why would he allow something like this to take place in my life? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As a pastor, I can give you all some nice little pat answers about stuff like this. I can tell you, well, you know, we live in a world that's full of evil. We have a world that's sinful. And because of that, because we fall out of God's, because we fall off of God's track for our lives, then evil comes to the world and bad things happen. And I, I, I believe that stuff. But let me tell you something. When I'm the one suffering, and you give me an answer like that, it really doesn't do me a whole lot of good. Because I'm still thinking, well, okay, that sounds good for you, but, but why am I still suffering? You know, why am, I, why am I hurting? And I think there's been some sort of misperception or misconception, and that is that we think if, you know, if I follow God and I do all the right things, that means God's going to automatically, He's, he's going to bless me, and bad things aren't going to happen in my life. But that's, that is not found anywhere in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the Scripture points out to us that suffering is it's, it's a part of life. In 1 Peter 4.12, speaking to Christians, here's what it says. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, Jesus himself said in John 16.33, He said, In this world you will have trouble. So suffering is going to be a part of our lives at some point or another. So the question for us is, well, how are we going to respond to it? I can't do a whole lot necessarily about your suffering or mine, but what I can do is try to make a decision about how I'm going to respond to suffering. So if you have your Bible, you can look with me. We're still continuing our study in the book of James. Y'all, next week's the last week, so we're in James chapter 5 right now. Uh, so you can take your Bible and look in James chapter 5 and verse number 7. And you have to remember that when James wrote this book, he was writing it to a group of people, uh, Jewish Christians in particular, who were suffering. 
Uh, they were they had been kicked out basically of their homeland in Israel because they made a decision they're going to follow Jesus and so they were being persecuted because of that. And then they they escaped into some nearby nations. But when you go into a new country, I mean you know, you're you're a foreigner, you're taking up jobs, you're just an ex, you know, you're just another hungry mouth to feed. And so people didn't like them. And so people began to persecute them as well. So the people James is writing to, they knew what suffering was suffering was about. And so James wrote them this letter in order to encourage them to respond in specific ways to suffering. So how they were how are we to respond when we suffer? Well, when we look at our text today, we're going to see a few responses we should have in the midst of suffering. And I know, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you, these sound so nice and cute and pat answers. They're true, though. And I'm not saying this stuff is easy, but James tells us how do we respond to suffering. He starts off, says, when you suffer, said, number one, be patient. Yeah, that sounds easy, doesn't it? Uh, when you're suffering, James says, be patient. Now look in verse number seven. He says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Now, I I don't know how many of y'all are good at patience. Uh, My guess is there's very few people in here who are just really outstanding, patient people. Um, I know for me this is not one of my virtues. Uh, I am, yeah, it's so tough for me to to stand up here and to preach and then to get in the car and to uh, try to live out what I've just talked about. So that's why I really struggle. And so patience is not easy. As a matter of fact, the word patience, it means to have a long anger. Um, another, I think another phrase that makes more sense to me is to have a really long fuse. You know, a long fuse beside before you decide you're going to blow up. But that becomes even more difficult when James says that you are to have a long fuse, that you are to be patient in the midst of suffering. Okay, now that does that sound just like a typical Bible thing? You know, when you're suffering, let me give you some great advice. And if I was sitting at your bedside and you're suffering, I'd say, let me tell you something. This is what you need to do. Be patient. I mean, you're going to slug me. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. Let me tell you, when I'm, whenever I'm suffering, I don't want somebody to tell me to be patient. You know what I'm thinking when I'm suffering? I say, when's I going to stop? You know, when are you going to make this better? And I start talking to God, and I begin to, I begin to complain, and I begin to argue with God. And I think, God, what's, what's going on here? Well, the people James was writing to, you have to remember, they were suffering because of obedience to Jesus. You know, they, they had decided to follow after Jesus, and I'm sure part of their thought process was, okay, God, if I'm going to live for you, and I'm going to, to live according to your word, and yet I'm still going to suffer, you know, what's the point of that anyway? And, and to be honest with you, I look at that and I think, well, that's a pretty good question. But James tries to answer the question by giving us an analogy in verse number 7. Here's what James says in verse 7. He says, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its crops, uh, to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. He gives them a picture of a farmer. He says, Whenever you're suffering, he says, Be like a farmer. And one thing a farmer is, is a farmer's patient. Uh, whenever a farmer goes to work, he plants his crop. And you, you, one thing that you know is when he plants his crop, it, the crop does not immediately grow. 
Which is another reason why I'd be a horrible farmer. I'm, I'm like I'm looking for like chia stuff. You know, you put that chia pet, that thing grows. It's unbelievable. And so, but a farmer can't do that. A farmer plants a crop, and what does he have to do after he plants a crop? He got to wait. It doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes the weather's good. Sometimes it rains enough. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's too wet. Sometimes it's too dry. But if he does what he's supposed to do. In, in general, he can expect that there's going to be some type of a harvest. Well, James pictures followers of Christ as like spiritual farmers looking for a spiritual harvest. You see, just like in the natural world, there, there are different seasons, right? You know, there's, there's fall, spring, winter. What's the other one? I forgot. Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about, and I named three or four. That's not bad. So there's all kinds of seasons that you go through. Well, in, in life, there are seasons that we go through in life. And if we're going to survive and see, you know, to see a, a crop, a harvest take place, we have to be patient. You know, regardless of what you face, you are simply patient because you are trusting that eventually God's going to bring about a harvest. Now, if you're suffering today, you know, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, whatever it might be, I want you to say, I want you to know that in the midst of your suffering, that God is working in your life. Now, you might not know it, you might not feel it. Let me tell you something God is working in your life. Why? Because He is working in your life to bring about a harvest. And sometimes you go through good seasons and sometimes you go through bad seasons. But God is working in your life so that you will produce fruit. So that you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So that you will be like God. I, I read a story about a man who had uh, been on a ship. There's a shipwreck and he ended up washing up on an uninhabited island. And as soon as he got there, you know, he, he just did what all of us would do. He began to pray, God rescue me. God, save me. Send somebody here. And, and no, nobody came. You know, days passed, weeks passed, months passed. And the guy was just absolutely devastated. And so he began to do what he could in order to survive. And he got a, uh, he, he built a little, a little shelter for himself. And he got really proud of it because, you know, when it would rain, he could, he could get in there and keep him dry. When it's hot, he can go in his shelter and it would keep him cool. It was in shade for him. Well, one day he went out and he went hunting and was just looking for some food. He's hunting and fishing. And he smelled smoke. And so he went back and, and they went back to his hut, and his hut had absolutely burned to the ground. And the guy was devastated. He was frustrated. He was angry at God already. You know, God hadn't sent anybody to rescue him. He's like, God, what are you doing to me? He's like, I'm doing everything I can in order to survive. And the one thing that I've got, you take it away from me. At night, he had to sleep outside. Next morning when he woke up, he looked up and he saw that there was a ship right in front of him coming into the surf and the guy's stunned and he walks over to him and then these men begin to get off the ship and they come to him he's like what? How, how did you guys know that I was here and they said well, we saw your smoke signals last night and so we came to rescue you now you say well, what's the point of the story you guys listen to this though it may not seem like it now the difficulties that you're facing in your life very well could be instrumental to your future happiness. So let me encourage you, in the midst of your trials that you go through in your life, in the midst of suffering, be patient. Why? 
Because there is a God. And God is working through the seasons of your life in order to produce a harvest in your life. To make you a man and woman of godly character. So how do we respond to suffering? I'm not saying this stuff's easy. And I'm I'm telling you, I don't want to apply this lesson to my own life. This is what the Bible says, though. How do we respond to suffering? First of all, be patient. Now, here's another one. And this was tough, too. Another response we should have in the midst of suffering. James says, don't grumble. And another response to suffering says, don't grumble. Now, look in verse number 9. It says, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, look at these two first things. It already kind of ticks me off. Because two of my favorite things, be impatient and gripe. And James says, when you're suffering, he says, don't do either one of these. And so I'm already ticked off right here. Now, living with difficult circumstances can cause us to be frustrated, can cause us to lose our patience, can cause us to have, you know, to sort of kind of complain against each other, especially whenever we see people who seem to suffer less than we do. That's irritating, isn't it? You think, I'm suffering, I'm hurting, and that guy over there, he doesn't have one problem in the world. And so it just makes us want to gripe even more. Say, man, this isn't even fair what's going on here. Well, the word grumble that James uses, he says, don't grumble. That word grumble means to groan within oneself. And I think he's talking about people who are kind of mature here. You know, people who are immature, they just spout off stuff. Y'all know people like that? And they just spout off, they say what comes to their mind, and they're, they're, they're griping about everything out loud. This is talking about people who gripe on the inside. I think these are more mature people. You know, we're, we're too mature to gripe out loud, but we're just going we're gonna to hold it in. But you have this countenance on your face where everybody knows that you're ticked off, but you're so mature you don't say it. And so people just look at you and go, that guy, he is not happy. Uh, he's not in a good mood. You can tell he is a guy who groans inwardly. You know, whenever things aren't going our way and, and we kind of keep suffering on the inside, it affects everything about you. It affects your countenance. It affects the way you treat people. You have a chip on your shoulder. You can actually just end up being, you can just sort of be a jerk. Now, what does James say? Now, now James isn't trying to be insensitive to the fact that we suffer in life, but he's letting us know this. He says, life is too short for you to grumble. And life is too short for us to gripe and to moan all the time. Why? Not just because life's short, but because we say we have a faith in God. And if we have a faith in the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible tells us that there will be a day when he will come back for his people. That there will be a day when he will make all things that are wrong, that he will make them right. There is a day when Jesus is going to come again. Therefore, we need to be a people who don't gripe and groan, but who have hope. Because we have a future in Jesus. In Revelation 21, 3-5, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with man. And he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Since he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away, and he was seated on the throne, says God. He said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You know why we don't gripe? Because there's going to be a day when Jesus is going to come back and He's going to make all things new. Therefore, we are to be a people of hope. 
Because we're people of hope, there are going to be people who don't know Jesus who are going to look at us and say, even in the midst of his suffering, this is a man or this is a woman who's different because they believe that there's a God who's going to make all things right one day. The thing is, if we're going to live with power, we have to be a people of hope. If we don't have hope, man, you're going to live one miserable day after another. You just give up. There's a man who was talking to his friends. He's having dinner with them. His experiences in Portland, or not Portland, in Flagstaff, Maine. He said it was a town that was getting ready to be flooded. He said they were building a dam and they were going to put a lake there. And he said, so they had a year's notice. And he said everybody lived in town. He said that was, you know, they, were, they were going to be relocated. He said, but after about six months, about when there was only six months left before they flooded this town out, he said people just kind of got to a point where they didn't care anymore. He said they didn't make repairs on their house. They quit mowing their yards. The grass got really high. He said the town just got dingier and dingier. Now, now why is that? And they didn't have anything to look forward to. Uh, this was the statement he made. He said, where there's no faith in the future, he said there's absolutely no power in the present. Now let me tell you something. This world is a hard place. And some of you have already discovered that. But don't give up. You know, don't quit, don't grumble because of the suffering you've endured. Why is that? Because you have a God who's going to make all things new. You know, God doesn't. God identifies with us. He understands what we've gone through. You know, he sent His Son Jesus to die. So what that tells me is God knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He knows what it's like to hurt and to experience pain. God knows that. Now, did he give up when he experienced his pain? No. Well, why didn't he? Because he knew the future. Because he knew that his son was going to conquer death. And he knew that it was going to give us the opportunity of new life. So as we suffer, James gives us some responses. And these first two are kind of tough. He tells us, be patient. Don't grumble. And the last one that he gives us, another response we're to have is, he says, but also persevere. You know, so that you think about that. Okay, there's no, you know, we've got to be patient. It says no griping. He says, and then you persevere. You move through the suffering that you have. Look at the last two verses I'm going to read, verses 10 and 11. It says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, why did James tell us that we ought to place our focus in the Old Testament upon the prophets? It's because they were a men and women of perseverance. Whenever they suffered, whenever they were struggling, we see that they persevered. They hung on to the words of God that they'd be true. One of my favorite prophets to, to talk about is the prophet Jeremiah. Y'all heard of Jeremiah? There's a book in the Old Testament called Jeremiah. If you've read it, Jeremiah was not, he was not a barrel full of laughs. Uh, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Prophet, the weeping prophet. Is that a guy that you would like to hang out with? I'm going to go hang out with the weeping prophet. I mean, he's not much fun. Uh, Jeremiah was commissioned by God. This is the message that he was called by God to preach to the people of Israel. He said, I want you to tell the people, if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy them. And I'm going to send them into captivity. Now, as you can imagine, this is the he preached this message for 50 years. 
for 50 years. I mean, can you all imagine coming here? And you might feel that way. But coming here, and I just preach a message of judgment for 50 years. Nothing positive. I mean, just absolutely horrible. Nobody wants to hang out with this guy. But Jeremiah continued to preach this message over and over again. Why? Because he had hope in God. Because he believed that God was going to be true to his word. That if the people would actually turn away from their sin, that God would restore them. He, was, he persevered. Another person that we're to look to, according to James, is, hey, look at Job. Look at Job's perseverance. Y'all familiar with Job? You know, Job's the guy who, you know, everything went wrong for him. You know, he lost his family, he lost his health, his wealth. And he didn't lose his stuff because he was a bad guy. He was a good guy. In Job 1.1, it says, A man named Job lived in the land of Uz. He was a good man who respected God, and he stayed away from doing wrong. Now, as you can imagine, Job, when bad things start happening, he gets confused. He's like, what's the deal with this? God, I love you, I serve you, I care for you, and yet, and yet all this stuff is happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And some of you might feel the same way. You might feel like you're getting the short end of the stick. You might have lost a loved one. It might be illness that has come into your family. It could be that your job's on the line and you're wondering, God, where, where are you in all of this? If you have those questions, let me tell you something. You're absolutely normal. When Jesus went to the cross, you might remember as Jesus hung on the cross, he called out to God and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yeah, I just want you to know there, there are things that are going to happen in life. That, that absolutely make no sense. I have seen good people just absolutely get hammered and waylaid in life. And I've seen bad people and everything went their way. And I sit back and I think, I don't get that. I just want you to know there, there are going to be times when things like that happen. But my encouragement to you is hang on to God. Trust God because God is true. God, ultimately, He's good. Job, as he went through all of these trials in his life, in Job 13, 15, you know what he said? He's already already ticked off at God. He doesn't understand. He's complaining and griping. And here's what he says to God. He says, though he slay me, he says, yet will I trust him. Does that sound crazy? He's getting slayed. He says, though he's slayed, he says, yet will I trust him. Now, why in the world would these guys remain faithful to God when they, they saw suffering? Because they trusted that God was going to be true. That there would be a day when he would make all things right. It reminds me of Romans 8.28. It's one of my favorite verses. It's a verse that, that we can hang on to in the midst of suffering. It says, For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. That's our hope. You know, those of us who love God and follow Jesus can know that all things work together for good. God can take your suffering and he can do something with it. Now, I'm not saying God causes your suffering. I'm just saying he can take your suffering and do something with it that's powerful. I love history, and I remember reading about a man named Edmund McElhaney who owned a sugar plantation down in Louisiana. 
And uh, whenever the Union troops came through in 1863, he had to he had to leave. He had to abandon his home and go hide and, and try to survive somewhere else. Well, after the war was over in 1865, he returned back to his sugar plantation, only to discover I mean it was just obliterated, nothing there. And so he, he came back. He just had a hat, had a roof over his head, trying to figure out what he could what he could eat to survive. And he, he had a rather dull diet, just you know, picking whatever he could out of the little little bit of the garden that he had left. But he noticed that in his garden, he also had these kind of wild chili peppers in there. And so he took those peppers, and he was trying to spice up his food, make it taste better. And um, he started giving out some of it to his neighbors, and, and they liked it. They're like, this is good. And so he started thinking, well, maybe I could turn this into a business. And so he took these little peppers and he kind of ground them up and created this sauce. Well, the sauce turned into what we now know as Tabasco sauce. Uh, through his through his family, because of all this, what happened? He ended up making more money selling chili peppers than he did having a sugar plantation. And I, I thought, you know, if if he could if he could have looked back on it, I mean, he could have said this. He didn't say it, but he could have said, you know, if it had not been for the destruction and the loss of everything that I had. I might not have ever reached my full potential. And I, I look at that story and I think, you know what, this is going to sound strange, but it's true. The sufferings that we experience in our lives, when we allow God to take hold of us in the midst of those sufferings, He can turn us into something better than we ever were before. Do you know that? God can take your suffering and your pain and your hurt, and He can turn you into something better than you ever dreamed of. In Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, We also rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering, it produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Guys, suffering is a part of life. It is going to happen. The question is, when it happens, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? James shares with us some ways we can respond. He says, be patient. He says, don't grumble. And the last thing he says is persevere. Now, suffering can absolutely take over a person's life where it becomes the number one focus. And we all know people like that. You know, any, any kind of struggle that they have, you have that, uh, uh, whether it be physical or whatever, family problems, we know people who focus on it and that's all they talk about. And they're never going to move past it. And those people, you know, you think, gosh, I, I would love for... They're not fun to be around. You think, I'd love for them to move beyond that. Now, there's some people, that's how suffering is going to afflict them. It's going to dominate their lives. But if you want victory over it, it's only going to happen through Jesus. Because Jesus, God, Jesus is the only hope that we've got. I promise you that. He's it. And if you are looking for hope, then I want to encourage you choose Jesus. Now what I'd like for us to do is just to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And I always think it's a good thing for us not just to come here and sing and to listen to, to make some scripture, but also for us to take time to do, you know, to do business with the Lord and say, God, this is how the service has affected me today and I want to respond to that. And if you're ready to have victory in your life, if you're ready to allow God to, to work in your life through the good times and also through the bad times, even through the suffering in your life, 
I just want to encourage you to simply pray this prayer, something like it, where you're seated, silently to the Lord. You just simply pray something like this. Jesus, I need victory in my life. Jesus, I need hope in my life. And I believe the only way to victory and the only way to peace and the only way to have real hope in my life is to give myself to you. Lord, I I give my life to you. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I know that you died for me and that you rose from the grave. And I ask you to come into my life and to be the Savior and the ruler of my life. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, I want to challenge you to take your bulletin and you can open that up and fill out that section on the right side. And check that line that says, I committed my life to Christ today. And put that in the offering basket because we would love to get you some information in the mail about growing in a walk with Jesus. Others of you today are believers, but over time you've allowed the pain in your life to dictate your actions, to determine how you're going to respond to people. And if you're honest, you'd have to say, you know what, it hadn't been very pretty. Man, I've allowed those things to dominate my life, and I I have not demonstrated the joy of Christ in my life. Why don't you take this time to just simply pray and talk to God and and ask God. Say, Lord, I ask that you'll develop within me a spirit of patience. God, I pray that you will remove that grumbling spirit that I have within me. God, that you'll develop within me perseverance in you because I trust that you are going to work all things together for good. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that even in suffering, God, that you bring hope. Change our lives, God. God, help us to be a people that that when we are looked at, that people know that we have the power of God within us. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.